0: Chapter 50 The Parandagar Infirmary The sun's rays bathed the wide streets of Padayare the next morning, flooding them with light. The golden domes atop the city's splendid royal palaces dazzled with its red-gold brilliance. A lavishly decorated elephant resplendent with an ambari on its back made its ponderous way towards the front of Kundavai Pirati's palace. The princesses themselves walked out within moments onto steps meant for ascending such mounts and made themselves comfortable. The animal began to stalk towards the Parandagachora infirmary, set in the middle of Padayvid settlements, thundering through the streets with its precious burden. The mahout walking by the side took matters into his hands at once and soothed the elephant, upon which it moderated its speed. Tinkling bells heralding the arrival of the royals was enough to have the doors of various homes slammed open and their residents to hasten towards the street. Their faces beamed as they encountered the princesses and folded the hands with deference. The avenues were swiftly crossed and soon the elephant had arrived at the Padaividic cantonments, which presented a vastly different picture from other residential areas. Plump, well-fed roosters crowed all over the place, seeking combatants for a quarrel. Rams bearing their sturdy, curled horns, proudly seemed to strut about as though sending out a proclamation. Who amongst you is willing to lock horns with me? Ferocious dogs that seemed capable of ripping anyone's throats were bound at the entrance pillars of homes with slender ropes or leather strips. Little boys pranced through the streets, battling their peers with strong bamboo staffs. Snapped their sticks as they slashed at each other, practicing the martial art of silambam. A good many homes displayed vibrant Kavi paintings upon their thinnai walls. For the most part, these seemed to depict the many adventures of Muruga Piruman or Chora emperors themselves. And even so, war and battle dominated the scene. The Lord chopped away head after countless head of Surapadmasuran in one panel, while Durga's execution of the evil Mahishasuran was illustrated in full and terrifying detail in another. Other walls glorified the many valorous exploits of Chora warriors in the battlefields of Tellare, Tanjai, Kudamuk, Arsilar, Tirupurambiam, Velur, Takkolam, Sevur, and many more such. The princess's majestic entry into the soldiers' settlements was the signal for the streets to break into pandemonium. Roosters flapped their wings, highly incensed, and flew towards the protection of the roofs. Children called out to one another and ran to their homes, banging on doors to inform their families of royal visitors. Long live Ilay Pirati Kundavai Devi! Women, children and elderly from practically every household lined the streets as the princesses went past, showering them with joyous blessings. Long live Sundarachwada's illustrious daughter! Some chose to follow the elephant and soon this gregarious crowd grew even larger echoing with various blessings and chants. We have mentioned previously that the Padavid residents numbered amongst them the women, children and the parents of soldiers presently in Eram. Kundavai had taken it upon herself to establish an infirmary and Sale, for their benefit using funds from her own numerous landed property. The Chora clan derived great pride in extolling the names and deeds of their forebearers. The princess was no exception. Amongst her ancestors, one of the greatest was undoubtedly her grandfather's father, Emperor Parandagar the first and she had named the infirmary after him. It was a custom to visit often and inquire after the health and well-being of the families of various soldiers settled there. The elephant stopped in the vicinity of the Adrasale. It bent its forelegs first, then its hind legs. The princesses descended carefully. The mount's departure was the signal for the general population comprising mostly of women and children to surround the royal ladies at once. The infirmary is of benefit to you, isn't it? enquired the princess. Do the physicians dispense medicines to those in need every day? Indeed yes, Thayye, rose several voices in answer. They do. I suffered from a terrible cough for three months, Devi, recounted a woman. The Vaithya's medicine cured me in a week. My willful son climbed a tree, fell and broke his leg, Gamma, said another. Our physician splintered his limb and bade him take medicine for 15 days. His leg is now healed. He runs and plays about with his usual spirit. He has even begun to climb trees again. Finished the relieved lady. My mother's vision has suffered for a while now, your highness. She visited the infirmary for a whole month and took her medicines. Related one young woman. I am very happy to say now that her sight is as well as ever. Hear that, Vanadi? murmured Kundavai. Ah, how enlightened were our ancestors. I wonder how they ever divined the precise herb that could cure a certain ill. Undoubtedly, they must have had the benefit of second sight, was these response. How else could they have learned all they did? It might be true that they have discovered medicines for almost every physical malady. But alas, that they shouldn't have found a single remedy for those such as you, dwindling away from mental afflictions, moaned Kundavai. Now, what do you believe can be done about that? Prayaka, kindly cease talking about my mental illness. It's no such thing. My friends tease me mercilessly as it is. And that's as it should be, for you deserve every word of it. You've turned my own brother's head, haven't you? The poor boy used to enjoy the luxury of a carefree existence and now he sends messages inquiring about your health through every envoy from Ilangai. Abruptly, a shout reached them. Way! Way for the white there. Way. Guards cleaved a path through the surrounding crowds, and the most senior of the physicians presiding over the infirmary arrived to welcome the princesses in state. You mentioned, I believe, certain wonderful herbs to be found in the forests surrounding Kodikarai, didn't you, Vaidyar? asked Kundavai. I sent you a young warrior who might undertake a journey there and back. Did he arrive? In- indeed, yes, Thaye. That quick witted youngster came yesterday under the escort of Isana Sivabattar. I formed the intention of sending my son with him too. My boy shall return from Kodikarai while your soldier appears to wish to journey to Ilangai as well. Do we really need herbs from as far as that? Wondered Vanadi. Certainly my lady. You do know the tale from Ramayanam where the powerful Lord Anumar flew over the seas bringing the Sanjeevi Hills full of herbs to save Lakshmanan's life. And it said that a few fell from the mountain and onto the forests of Kodikare during his flight, which is why we still harvest such wonderful specimens from that region. Since the Sanjeevi hills were in Ilangai in the first place, it is only to be expected that the best of herbs still be there. Should I manage to find the ones I need, Devi, I swear that I shall cure all the emperor's ills myself, without doubt. May it be so by God's grace. And so, where are those young men now? Within, Namma, and in readiness for their journey upon your word. The princesses entered the infirmary, escorted by the chief physician, taking in the sights of those waiting in the corridors for medicines and those who had already had that felicity. Every one of them beamed at the sight of Kundavai Pirati, vowing and declaring gratitude for their princess's kindness in setting up such an Adurasalai for them. Two men awaited the ladies within the physician's room. One was Vandya Tevan, who Kundavai noted amused, had dressed himself in the latest of fashions with the utmost care. Even Vanadi seemed to recognize him. Why, Akka? She whispered into her companion's ears. It does seem to be that young man from the Kudandaya storage's home, doesn't it? So it would seem. Kundavai's tone was bland in the extreme. What's more, he is visiting the Vaidhyar after barging into the house of an astrologer. Perhaps the poor man suffers from some hideous mental affliction like you. She turned to Vandyatevan. You, Aya, are the warrior who is willing to undertake a journey to Ilangai for herbs to soothe the emperor, I believe. Whatever incomprehensible language Vandyatevan's eyes and lashes may have chosen for silent communication, his lips took recourse to the one in vogue among humans. Indeed, yes, your highness. I am on my way to Ilangai, true and I may even have the felicity of meeting the Prince. Is there a message you wish me to convey to him? Why so there is? Kindly inform His Royal Highness, should you ever meet him, that the Kodumbalur Princess suffers grievous physical maladies. She swoons often and stays unconscious for hours on end. Should the Prince ever wish to see her in possession of her wits, he ought not to pause an instant in Elam but come home at once by all means Amani and Vandita even turned his attention to Vanadi. Kundavai's flippant words threw the maiden into a morass of confused bashfulness. Her beautifully chiseled features glowed, their exquisite loveliness enhanced, if that were even possible. She blushed painfully, striving to master the embarrassment that threatened to overwhelm her. Kindly, do not convey any such message, Aya. If you must, do tell, uh, do tell him that the Kodumbalur princess dines four times a day, dresses and revels in the kind of hospitality of Ilay Pirati Kundavai, if you please. By all means, Amani, promised Vandiya Well, upon my word, you've heard both our messages, yet you assure us that you will deliver them faithfully. Surely, only one of them can be true. What of it, Amani? My duty is to deliver the messages of both the plaintiff and the defendant. It's the prince's responsibility as the judge to decide upon the veracity or otherwise of the statements. Finished Vandavan with a plump. But but don't, I beg of you, confuse the messages with those who gave them, put in Manati. Kundavai turned to the vaidhyar, apparently feeling that the conversation had gone on long enough. Have you received the palm leaves to be given to these men from the palace's Tirumandra Ole official? Uh, Of course, thaye Two to be accurate One carried a general message These envoys are engaged upon a mission To secure herbs for the well-being of the emperor Government officials on their path Are to render whatever assistance necessary In accomplishing their task The other was addressed specifically To the guardian of the lighthouse at Kodikarai Explained the Vaidya Both are in the possession of these youngsters Excellent I see no reason for them to tarry then, said Kundavai. Surely they may leave at once. Why certainly, assented Vandiya Easier said than done, however. The whole cavalcade exited the infirmary. The royal elephant, Ambari at the ready, stood prepared to allow the princesses to mount. Two stallions, fleet-footed as the wind and fairly twitching for a gallop, had been brought over from the palace as well for the messengers and yet it did not seem as though everyone concerned could begin their journey at once. Vandiya for instance seemed to be beset with a veritable plethora of doubts that had to be assuaged that very instant. Kundavai for her part seemed to be plagued by a thousand perils that might endanger her messenger and of which she thought it best to warn him. In particular did she instruct him about the dangers he might be expected to encounter upon his journey. The princesses ascended their royal mount. Devan and his companion climbed onto their horses as well. The elephant cherished no desire, it seemed, to move. Kundavai indicated with a sign that it might be prudent for those who were to travel the longer distance to start. Left with no further pretext to dawdle, Devan wheeled his horse. With a great deal of reluctance, it must be admitted. He craned his neck and gazed at Kundavai one last time, eyes fairly brimming with eagerness and yearning. Then abruptly, he delivered a slap to his stallion as though furious with it. That well-bred animal sprang forward, quite unused to such cavalier treatment. It sped away, kicking up a cloud of dust. The vaidya's son had to gather all his considerable inexperience just to follow him. Kundavai fell into a reverie as the elephant made its ponderous way back to the palace. Strange indeed, the vagaries of the mind, she mused. Why does my heart worry so much about his fate and hope upon hope that he will succeed in his perilous mission? Such deep reflections, Akka? Vanadi's voice included upon her thoughts. What are they, may I ask? Nothing worth the mention, my dear. If you must know, I was wondering about that conceited young man and why on earth do I need to choose him to send a message to my brother? Indeed, Akka, and you are right, you are very right. A vastly troublesome fellow, I thought. Even a master thief, if I might say so. A thief, you say? But why? Well, thieves make away with such useless things as silver and gold in the ordinary way. But this one seems a vast sight more dangerous. I fear very much that he wishes to steal Choyanada's most precious deity in his capable hands, twinkled Vanadi. Surely, you won't let such an eventuality come to pass. Why, you insolent little brat, exclaimed Kundavai without heat. So you think me the same as you? Not on your life, my girl. As the elephant progressed along its way, its occupants noticed at one point, a great many women congregated upon the street. Kundavai halted their progress at once and leant out. What is it? she inquired. Do you wish to apprise me of anything? There has been no news until now of our men in the Edam battlefield, Taaye. One of the gathered women took a step forward. Is is it true that the Tanjore authorities have resented rice and grain from being sent to them? But, but how will they survive without food in those harsh conditions, Amma? There is no cause for concern, I assure you. Soothed Nilayapirati. No matter the schemes of those in Tanjavur, be aware that our soldiers received their sustenance from the ports of Mammalapuram. Surely your beloved prince wouldn't let his valiant men starve when they are distinguishing themselves for the sake of Chodanade. At any other time, the princess would have stayed longer in a bid to assuage their lacerated feelings. But she wished for solitude now, battered and perfeted by strangely unsettling emotions. The elephant marched on towards the palace